everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. I am your host, Gianna Belcastro, and today I have a very, very, very exciting announcement. This is my first conversation o'clock of season two, and I have a very, 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 very special guest. I am interviewing the one and only Scott Parkinson, who is a former assistant coach for Utah and the current assistant coach with the Chicago Red Stars. We had a conversation back in October when I was writing uh, a profile about him for one of my school assignments, and I asked him, hey, can I put this episode on to my podcast? And he said, sure. So I just wanted to say it was a pleasure talking to Scott. It was a great hour that we spent together talking about soccer and what it's like living it up in England and what it's like coaching in America and stuff like that. So without further ado, here is the first conversation clock of season two with Scott Parkinson. Hey everyone, it's Gianna Belcastro from the Women's Sports Matter podcast. And today I'm going to be discussing the sponsor of this show, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Wonderful. My first question for you, Scott, is why did you come to America to play soccer um, in Oklahoma at your university? Okay, good question. Um, So when I grew up, there was like kind of like a representative team. that if you were U19, you could play on it. And every year they would take the best local kind of players to the Dallas Cup in Texas. It's one of the biggest international tournaments for kind of like youth football around the world. Um, So I made that team once I came out here. I got to see the facilities. I got to see the investment that was put into sports. Uh, Honestly, back home, like football's everything. But it's all pretty grassroots, like you don't pay fees for the coach, you don't pay for facilities, you just train at the local park and that's just kind of how it is. So so I got to see that a little bit and then quite a few of my friends that were on the team, they, they were offered scholarships. So they moved out to America, did the whole scholarship thing. Um, I was in school at the time to be training to be uh, an engineer. Um, so I just continued that when I got back and um, so I probably about three years after that I flew out to see a friend that was on a scholarship in Oklahoma City uh, and I went out there on vacation for two or three weeks to see him um, and I was just blown away the weather the people the facilities the level of football the coaching it was just so professional and I basically said to him on the trip I would love to do this i can't believe i never did it and he said well if you want to play for this team i know how good you are i'll speak to the coach and let's see if we can make something work and i left with a with a with a massive scholarship offer on the plane i went home sold my house sold my car resigned with my job got a visa and then moved out to america that was kind of it so it was kind of on a whim and but i just knew that the opportunity of making football my life and career and um, that opportunity doesn't come up too much in the UK and um, <clears throat> so uh, there's just something that I went all in for and so far so good it's worked out pretty well yeah I think so so did you know at the time like the difference between like a D1 D2 D3 the NAIA school differences or were you just more looking for an opportunity to play somewhere yeah, I had no clue. I had no clue about the levels. I knew nothing about college soccer uh, or college sports. Um, 
all like the different types of levels of universities, state schools, private schools, church schools. Like I just had no clue about anything. I just knew that my friend played on this team. They were pretty good. And they had a lot of foreign people on the team. And then I also knew a couple of other people that because the Dallas Cup's in Texas, then a lot of the people that got picked up from my local area were all in that kind of Kansas, Dallas, Texas type of area. Um, so I just knew that they all played in that region. I didn't know who they played for and what conferences they were in. So good question. I had no clue about anything like that. Yeah, there's a... Well, here in America, you know, everyone wants to go big. They want to go to, like, the D1 schools. We're talking Duke, North Carolina, Michigan. Um, if they see an offer from, like, a D2 or D3 school and it, they think they're a big shot, of course, you know, they're going to yeah. <laughs> complain that they're getting yeah. an offer from a lower school. But, uh, yeah. yeah, NAIA schools are also really good, too, for yes, schooling. So, I think NAIA is kind of the same as D1 schools. Yeah, I think that, like, honestly, from an educational standpoint, I I did my bachelor's degree here at an NAIA school, and then I did my master's degree at a Division II school. Um, my wife is currently doing her master's degree at a Division One school. So, we've got a nice blend of it. Um, but, you know, school's hard, classes are tough they're going to challenge you um, and soccer's tough soccer's hard I played NEIA we played some division one schools and we'd absolutely treat them and um, we'd play some NEI schools and we'd lose because they were so stacked and talented with some maybe some older players that would come out of JUCO and some foreigners and um, so yeah NEIA is no messing around sometimes it can be a pretty tough one so going back to um, where you grew up what was it like growing up in Liverpool um, oh, good question. So Liverpool's pretty, pretty close, pretty community, a little bit like Chicago, big bustling city. Um, not a lot of people leave the city of Liverpool. You kind of grow up there, you work there, you get married there, you, you die there. That's just kind of how it is. Um, so I loved it there. I actually prefer it now looking back, I think as a kid. And there can be a lot of distractions in Liverpool with it being like a big city like Chicago. Like a lot of kids will drink and, and smoke cigarettes really early growing up. There's a big party scene there. So, you know, I was never a bad kid. I never got myself in tons of trouble. But I definitely think that it's a rough and ready place that will kind of make you grow up really quickly as a young boy or a, or a young woman. Um, just how it's kind of set up. It sounds a bit. It sounds probably. It's probably not as crazy as I'm making it out to be. But it's definitely. Um, it's definitely a fast and furious city that will. Yeah. Will. Uh, will. Will grow you up pretty quickly. So um, I have on my notes that you played for Everton FC. I also have a question. Where is Everton, uh, the soccer team, located? Are they close to Liverpool? Um, so in, inside this, it's basically like the White Sox and the Cubs. Okay. Um, but our stadiums are separated by just one park. So it's just one little grass park. Uh, and both stadiums, you can see both stadiums from each other's stadium. Um, so yeah, so it's a funky one. Actually, Liverpool's stadium that they currently play at used to be Everton's old stadium. So Everton, I think Everton used to play at Anfield in like the 1800s, the late 1800s, and eventually moved from it. And when they moved from it, Liverpool, I'm not sure they became Liverpool, they were probably already Liverpool, and they ended up taking over that stadium and then Everton built a new one across the park. So it's basically two teams, one city. Okay, I did not know that. Thank you for uh, clarifying for me, because no I have that you played for Everton's youth team i wanted to ask you why didn't you did you have the opportunity to play for liverpool's um youth team or did um, everton like offer you yeah, something I, so i think my i think that my dad spoke to liverpool um and and spoke to everton and so i think that they knew who i was liverpool and they they had sent scouts to watch me play but there was never no formal offer 
that I remember. I do think my dad still has a letter. It may be from Liverpool, from I think his name's Steve Highway. He was the kind of the head of recruitment for like younger players. And I don't know if it's a rejection letter. I don't know if it's a letter that says we're looking at him. I've really got no clue. Um, all I know is is that I ended up at Everton and playing with Everton, uh, and I would often play against Liverpool. Um, so yeah, pretty cool experience. Why did you play for such a short time there? Was it like time commitment issues or something else? No, I just I just wasn't good enough. Like that's the that's the truth. I think you know to be to be to be, you know, Everton, Everton, Liverpool, any any Premier League team back home, they'll probably have, like, one team in every age group. So, a U10, U11, U12, U13, U14, U15, U16. So, if that's seven age groups and they have 15 kids on each team, you know, it's just over 100 kids that they have that say they are signed to this club and we think they're going to be the future professionals for this club. Well, that's not a lot of kids... Like that's there's just not a lot when there's I think there's three million people that live in the city of Liverpool, and probably, you know, three million of them want to play for Everton or Liverpool. So, I think I just wasn't quite good enough, um, and they didn't think I was I was there. Um, but, you know, that's okay. It's I understand how much of a high level that is, um, and I was proud that I got to experience it, and I remember it fondly. But ultimately. I think the answer to your question is I just wasn't good enough. How old were you when uh, you were playing there? Good question. <laughs> Probably between 12 and 16. Okay. That was quite a while. That must be tough, you know, for a young kid to be like, you're not good enough to, to be within our certain group. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember it. So actually in Liverpool, I was meant to train. This is how it all ended for me. I was meant to go to training, and I'm going to guess it was a Wednesday night, and I turn up at training, and no one was at training. So then we tried to figure out why. And they cancelled training because Liverpool were playing Everton, like the actual top teams. Um, and I think then that, so basically I think that they'd either been given the day off, the kids, or the kids had been took to the game. And then the next weekend we were meant to play like Aston Villa on a Sunday. And... We drove over to my friend's house. I used to drive with a friend on the team that lived local. So I drove to his house on the Sunday, and they were like, oh, he's not in. Uh, but actually, the game was yesterday. And that all happened in the space of, like, five days. And obviously, I was a young, I was young, so... Um, so I actually think no one actually told me that I was done. I think that was the writing on the wall. And then I think my dad probably reached out to the club saying, like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm guessing whatever conversation he had, um, it was probably, yeah, we're sorry. It, it's not his time here. So so no one ever actually said it to me. So I didn't really feel too rejected. I don't really look back on it and feel like it was like anything that really knocked the wind out of my sails. Um, so, yeah, I wish it did. It, you know, it, it sounded more glamorous, but I, I can't remember being too distraught about it. The fact that they didn't tell you, though. Like, I've been rejected personally. I used to play basketball uh, when I was my first three few years of high school. And my coach was like, yeah, I wouldn't bother trying out because the freshmen are probably going to be better than you. And, like, I took offense to that. I was like, okay, whatever. And I just, like, didn't even bother to try out. But the fact that they didn't even tell you and you were so confused... Yeah. I know. Well, I don't even know if I was confused. Honestly, I can't even say I was confused. Uh, like, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't come back to my memory as anything that made me feel terrible. And my family probably just protected me from it because I'm guessing they've just said to them on the phone, "Yeah, he's not good enough." Um, so I'm guessing it probably hurt them more than it hurt me. But ultimately, 
I was a good kid and a good human. So the only reason to not continue me in the program would have been because they found somebody better or it just wasn't good enough. So, so yeah, maybe it hurt me more than I'm saying, but I don't remember it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't come back to me like it did. So. So, it's uh, in the so, past. Yeah. It's it's whatever at this point. <laughs> yeah. So going um past your days, um, at uh, your school in Oklahoma, what happened after you got out of school? Say that again, sorry. Can what happened that? after you left uh, college? Okay, so I left college. Um, and. I got offered a graduate assistant position at another NAIA school, um, and my current wife, um, we we ended up both kind of getting a job there. Mine was as a graduate assistant, hers was more of a full-time job, uh, and she specializes in like communication and social media and stuff like that. Uh, so we went up there, and I knew that when I moved to America back in the day, um, that I wanted to be... Um, I wanted football to be my explaining what happened at that school. Um, you kind of cut out, so I hate to ask Uh-oh. you to repeat <laughs> what you just Apologies. said. But can you? Um, yeah. So I, I yeah. think after after school that we worked at, we probably felt that it wasn't the right place for us. Um, the school had a lot of beliefs in certain things that you know their religious ties taught them to believe. Um, and me and my wife weren't that comfortable with it. Um, so we decided to leave that, and we probably decided that working at a church school was not for us. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, once we left there, I got a, a Division Two volunteer job um, at a, on a boys' program. Um, and I later went on to be the full-time boys' assistant and then the women's head coach. And that was the last college job I did before I entered the NWSL. That is a great segue into my next question. How did you turn around um, uh, Rogers State University's soccer program in two seasons? Um, so I was really passionate. I'm a really passionate person. I think I kicked a little bit of life into the program. Um, I, because I was on the boys' side, I'd watched the girls' team play uh, for a couple of seasons and, and not, you know, perform too well. Um, so probably over time, I was able to maybe just look at that team and think, what would I do differently uh, on the field, off the field? Um, so when the opportunity came, I applied for it and thankfully got it. The school trusted me. I think they felt I'd done a good job on, on the men's side. Um, so ultimately, it was... a. Uh, it was try to make the program a little bit more com- professional and um, make the off the field stuff a little bit more grown up um, and just put some good habits into the program and coach them as best as I could. I put them in a system that was very pragmatic and um, because they, I think they conceded like 76 goals or something the year before I took them. So that was almost my number one problem to solve. We're not going to win any games if we concede 76 goals a year. Um, so it was a pragmatic setup. Got them to really fight, work hard, be hard to beat, and then try and score in transition whenever teams would be throwing the kitchen sink at us to try and score on us because we were so hard to score on. We'd find moments to strike. Um, and we got off to an unbelievable start. I think we started 3-0. and I remember that first game like it was yesterday, um, and to go three and zero with a team that went one and sixteen the year before, I knew I had you know we were onto something good, um, and then honestly the season after getting to the conference final, um, a lot of that was an, an, a bit of an evolution from year one to year two of getting out there on the road, knocking down doors and trying to recruit some some even better footballers and even better humans to bring into the program in order to help us win games so um so yeah it was a it was a long slog but it was a, it was definitely a fun one and one that I, I look back on with with the fondest of memories you even got a coach of the year out of that um 2017 how did you feel about that award 
you know, obviously it's it's a sign that you, the coaches that you're coaching against, you know, rate you, um, which is which is you know which is nice. Um, yeah, so no, it was it was it was it was good. It was good. Um, I, I did enjoy you know getting that accolade. Um, so yeah, it was good. So when it comes to um, coaching professionally, you uh, first started out in the NWSL at Utah Royals FC um, mm-hmm. under one of maybe the best NWSL coaches I've ever seen. Um, did she yeah, did she come to you and ask you personally to join? <laughs> um. So yes, she did. She did ask me to join, but. Um, I did also tell her when I found out she was going to Utah um, if you need someone then I'm I'm in um, so basically I met Laura probably two or three years before that on a US soccer coaching license where we were stuck in a hotel together for 10 days and we went through some coaching education um, we we she actually almost well I, I did i went to seattle to join her at seattle rain and things just didn't line up um so it ended up not happening so i went back to oklahoma uh, and that's actually when i went to roger state and uh, so we stayed in contact she watched my games i watched hers you know we were just friends so then when the utah gig came up um i think she asked her her initial assistant at the time sam laity look do you want to come to utah with me I think he said no, he was happy in Seattle with his family and his home. Um, so yeah, she called me and asked me and um, yeah, it was, a, it was an unbelievable honor. It was really tough leaving Roger State, um, but you know, ultimately it's been you know pretty fun and really challenging since I made that decision. So, uh, so yeah, when you get a call off Laura Harvey uh, asking you to work for her, I think uh, most people in in our profession in the world would probably say yes. So what was um, the climate of Utah? How did you interact with the players? Do you have any fun stories from your time there? Um, yeah, Utah was great. Look, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a team that was, was, was in Kansas City that had had tons of success with Black Goal and Lauren Holiday and, and you know, a-Rod at her best, Becky Saubron, um, won a couple of championships, both of them against Laura. Um, and then they just had a couple of years where, you know, Blacko didn't make the playoffs. They didn't have much finance. They didn't have a ton of fans. And it was just really struggling. So I think for it, to get the move to Utah, to get a head coach like Laura, and then to get, you know, all the shiny facilities, the nice field, you know, 21,000 fans coming into your opening game. Um, I think the players, you know, initially really, really enjoyed themselves, um, felt valued uh, by the community. And, and so, yeah, you know, looking back on it on my time there, uh, I have really fond memories and, you know, I'm happy it happened. So you recently joined the Red Stars and I actually, when I found out, I was pretty excited. Um, that you joined the coaching staff because I, I read up, you know, um, about, you know, how it went with Utah and now you're coming to Chicago, which, like, if anyone's coming to the Red Stars, I'm going to do my research because I want to know what's happening with the team. Um, Absolutely. So it seems like the coaches from Utah and the Red Stars did a switch how yeah. did um how did your hiring happen um okay so um when laura um stepped down to take the west soccer job um i basically said to utah you know make me the interim head coach i'll get us through whatever we need to get through um and then you know then you you, you all just make whatever decisions you need to make and uh, we'll get through the draft we'll do this we'll do that um so you know, I think they did a pretty extensive search. I think looking at the way it went down, they probably wanted people with NWSL experience, maybe rather than, you know, maybe a, a big name from Europe. 
or a big name from another country. I think it by looking at who they really interview closely, I think they wanted NWXL experience. So, so yeah, um, it sounded like it came down to, to the last two, and it, and it looked like it was me and and the assistant from from Chicago. Um, and my wife had just taken a job with the Obama Foundation here in Hyde Park. So we knew she was going to be moving here in like January, February. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a sports contract, so I can't leave. So we were going to do a year apart. Um, so basically it was, um, you know, I'll be here for as long as I need to be here. But, you know, if you ever need me to go, then I'll go. Um, so when they made the decision that they made and they asked me to stay, um, I asked them if they would allow me to leave and speak to other clubs, um, which was great because the club that had an opener was Chicago Red Stars, which was in the city that my wife had just moved to. And, and, not, and not just that, like, it's the Chicago Red Stars. <laughs> like, for me to be able to, number one, get Rory's phone number and him actually know who I was um, and be like, yeah, let's do this, like, pretty quickly. Like, there wasn't much, you know, there was, you know, I had to meet him and I met Arnhem, but it was pretty, like, he he knew, he knows Laura, him and Laura are friends. They've been on some coaching courses together as well. Uh, so he'd knew, known of me, um, maybe spoke to some players that knew of me. So, honestly, it, 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 it couldn't have worked out any better um, because... You know, I love my time in Utah, uh, and I love the players. Um, but there's working for Utah Royals and there's working for Chicago Red Stars, um, and that was the opportunity that came my way somehow. Um, and I got to be with my wife, which is, you know, the most important thing for me anyway. So, so it it, it was just like you know, we look back to the whole Everton debacle where I it didn't work out for me. Um, <laughs> well, this one worked out for me. This one was a home run. So, yeah, it couldn't have been any better. You got really lucky with that one, being to be able to stay with your wife and moving basically to the same city, even though, you know, Chicago Red Stars don't play in Chicago. It's still pretty close. Um, yeah. But that that's a really nice story about, you know, you're able to coach here because of the people that are here, and that's just, you know, says that Chicago is a pretty good organization to be with, if I don't say so myself. Um, yeah. So when you got to Chicago, is did you see, like, a difference right away between the players at Utah versus the players here? Yes. Like, I... worth that, uh, ethic-wise, like, climate-wise, um, how the players communicate um, with each other? I think, yeah, I think here... Um... The players get a lot less because it's, you know, probably uh, one ownership group is is billionaires and and, and the Red Stars aren't, um, but there's just a little bit of nastiness here, but in a good way, like a work ethic, a grit, uh, like the tempo of training. Um, now, you know, I'll hold my hand up. Should the tempo of training in Utah have been better? And was it my job to maybe have pulled that out of the players? Pro- arguably, maybe. Um, but when I came to Chicago, the first thing I said to the staff and, and to the players was that this was a, a level that I wasn't used to seeing, um, just in terms of a, just a grit and a tenacity in training. Um, that was probably the, 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 the first thing that I saw. And don't get me wrong, the Utah players, they worked hard. Um, there was just probably an extra 1% to this one. Uh, when I was speaking to, to Zoe Gorowski about um, her teammates, she pointed out to me, and, like, my cousin and I are, are huge Red Stars fans. Um, we also noticed it, too, that Julie Ertz is, like, I wouldn't say carrying the team on her shoulders because obviously there's other players that are doing it too, but like she's the main person. She's tough on the field. She's tough during practice. Uh, do you have anything else to say about Julie Ertz and her work ethic? Uh, yeah, uh, Julie is unbelievable. Um, she, You're right in everything you say. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that, the biggest compliment I could give her is that 
because of her work ethic and because of how hard she works and how focused she is and everything she gives to it, it really does spread throughout the team. And not just the team, like I'd be lying if I said that coaching a player like Julie as a coach, it keeps you on your toes because there's a standard that, that she deserves and demands. Um, and it doesn't just make the players better, it makes me better. It makes me a better coach, it makes me more prepared, it makes me more organised, it makes me more passionate, it makes me demand more out of them because I see that from her. So, so yeah, she's a, she's a very, very special human and competitor, um, as special as anyone I've ever met. Yeah, we're lucky to, to have her on the team. I love watching her. Um, her on the Red Stars, her playing for the national team, it's phenomenal. Like, the work yeah. ethic is just something that I love. Is there anyone else on the team that would be, like, maybe runner-up to that that you notice? <laughs> um, do you know what? Like, a listener, like, Alyssa trains more than anyone I've ever known. Like, she just doesn't have an off day because she doesn't want one. Um, her work ethic is just second to none. And, you know, she's passionate, she's engaging. Uh, Alyssa's a, you know, she's an anomaly. Um, she really is. It's really fascinating to get to work with this level of competitor. Um, but, you know, I think Vanessa DiBernardo um, probably doesn't get enough credit. Um, she is every day thirsty. Starting to talk about Vanessa DiBernardo. Oh, sorry, I'll start again. Yeah, I think Vanessa DiBernardo is probably the unsung hero. Um, she's first to training. She's last to leave. She's dripping in sweat every day when, you know, with, with the amount of effort she puts in. Um, and yeah, I think she's for sure an unsung hero at this club. Um, and again, someone who makes me better every day because of, you know, the standards that she demands. Yeah, I also agree with you on that one. Um, there's just so many players in the NWSL who don't get enough credit. And there's a bunch of players overseas, obviously, too, that don't get that credit. Um, but yeah, she is a workaholic. I see it on the field all the time. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Why aren't people uh, noticing her? But um, mentioning overseas, do you think that it's a good idea for players right now to be um, going on loans to like the FA, for example, um, where we have star players going to Manchester United, Manchester City, Tottenham, Hotspurs, um, West Ham. Do you think that makes sense for their careers right now, especially since most of the people going are like top tier, top talented players? Uh, yeah, I think that um, I think one of the one of the things with the players in this league is that they are so good that they are they are able to have a lot of options on. Oh, is the left? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, they're going to have a lot of options. So yes, we see Alex Morgan going to Tottenham, but believe you me, she will have had offers in every league in the world um, because she's so good as is Kristen Press, Tobin Heath you know, as are some of our younger players that we've loaned out to Denmark yeah. um, and Sweden mm-hmm. um, so so yes I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with it I think a lot of people you know, Covid related didn't really want to go abroad, didn't want to travel 12 hours on a plane uh, a lot of people are comfortable with it the UK at the time was doing really well with COVID. Right now, it's an absolute hot mess. Um, so honestly, I think they all deserve to basically pick and choose where they want to play right now in a pandemic. And, and for everyone, that just looks a little bit different. Um, so as long as they're happy with it and they made the decision because that's what they want, then I'm completely fine with it for everyone. And I think everyone will make the right decision for them during this really funky time. So also speaking about 
international players. Um, do you have a player from uh, you know, across the pond that you um, admire with their work ethic? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Lucy Bronze. Um, yeah, she's great. Geez, I just I just got a call there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lucy Bronze. Um, work ethic. Um, she can run for days. Crazy skillful. She's a winner. She gets goals from the fullback position. Um, probably, you know, Lucy Kelly O'Hara, Casey Short. Crystal Dunn, you know, there's there's probably only a handful that get in that list of being really good in that position. Um, so, yeah, probably internationally, Lucy Bronze is someone that I'm a, a big admirer of. Were you surprised of her move back to Manchester City? No, no, I'm not. I think, um, you know, she lives in France. She won everything with Lyon. She could win. Um, not only did she win like Champions Leagues and she won world's best player and so so no I think she won everything she could there I'm I'm assuming that Manchester City opened the checkbook and and are going to make her a crazy offer financially and so good for her you know new experience another big club with some big players and that have made some big moves this year to to try and you know I think win win the league and and push on and try and win a Champions League. That's what it looks like they're trying to do. If you were ever offered a head coaching position um, for a national team or a professional uh, team, men's or women's, by the way, uh, where would you take that job and why? Good question. Um, I think that right now, um, well, here's what I'll say. I think the biggest and best job in the world is the US women's national team. And there's no getting close to it. So for me to be involved with that program is that is the job, the job. Now, um, am I even in Black O's zip code right now? No. Um, do I want to be one day? Absolutely. And um, so I think the US national team's got to be one that is, you know, is going to be something that I will chase and aspire to get to um, and um, you know I've said this now for five or six years and, and no one believed me back then but I probably am on a path to give myself at least a chance of it um, and then probably England England's probably the only job that I would go back to England for, I don't see myself wanting to coach Everton, Man City, Liverpool women uh, I'd rather stay here in the US and um, kind of committed to the cause now here. Um, so, yeah, that's probably it. And again, that job's probably a long, long, long way away. And that's, honestly, I'm glad that you have these goals set up for yourself as a coach. Um, those are always so important to have to like look into the future and be like, this is somewhere that I want to be. Um, my cousin is a big fan of the Red Stars, and I asked her if she had any questions for you, and she wants to know, um, do you think that you have a different slash more important role considering that you're a, a coach of a women's sports team? Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, you didn't hear the oh, question? So, so I heard it, I just... I was waiting. I thought you were going to say more. So do I think I have a bigger role because I'm a part of a women's sports team? Yeah. I'm guessing you mean in regards to a boys sports team or a men's one? No, just like um, going from, you know, working your way up in the system. Do you think like this is especially like your position right now? Do you think this is a very important role to have, uh, you know, lead assistant? Uh, that is a better experience for you as a coach? Uh, I don't know. I think that, I think, you know, I'm very passionate about women's football. Um, I think there's been a few moments uh, as a coach where I've asked the team to play a certain way or I've, I've tried to get a reaction from a team of, of, of women or girls and they've been able to perform it to levels 
that I've never really connected with with boys teams and I've won with boys teams too there's just something about coaching women that for me is just so I don't know it's hard to put my finger on how to describe it there's just always a real reaction a real effort a real connection um so I've always felt that um so you know I want to keep feeling that and, and getting them responses from from females and then obviously you know in the women's game and being in it now uh, you know seeing some of the standards that are now beginning to change in the NWSL where the players will be paid more they'll get health insurance for 12 years uh, for 12 months of the year um, being a part of the game and helping you know stand up for the players and represent the players um, and help bring the game forward in the women's game um, being able to have a voice in that and people and owners actually listen to me because of my position with the Red Stars. Um, that is a position that I don't take lightly. Um, I know that I have work to do to help this sport and to help the women's game. Um, so that is something that I'm trying to be proud of every day and you know just keep trying to make it a little bit better. I want to ask you about um, coaching licenses. How important is it to to work towards these different licenses? And can you explain which ones you have and which ones you're working towards? So, honestly, they're not that important. Like, I don't think, you know, I don't think, I don't think I can guarantee you that a license is going to make you, you know, 20 times better. 10 times better I, I really don't know but I do personally enjoy them because there are moments I find on every course that I'm on where the instructor or the moment or the situation makes me feel vulnerable about the way I see the game or the way I think it should be taught and I think in that moment of vulnerability you either learn something new and go well hell I didn't even think about doing it that way or I didn't think that was important or you end up saying well you know what I still think that my way is the right way even though you're telling me it's not and then it just lets me reaffirm the way that I do it so for me as long as you take them seriously as long as you're engaged you're going to find moments on the courses and in education that actually you know either change your mind about something or reaffirm something that you are doing something that you truly believe in so for me they're more of a journey than they are like a master's degree maybe they're just a little bit different um, now everyone you take they do get a little bit more challenging what they ask of you gets a little bit heavier and the depths of the of the of the coaching and the way you look at the game the way they analyse the game the way you deliver things to players gets a little bit more detailed um, so yeah I, I believe in them I think they've been great for me um, and but you know uh, you know yeah, I, I'm not sure they're for everyone um, and I'm not sure they're fully required um, but you know it is what it is um, so right now I'm currently a USSF which is United's United States Soccer Federation a senior level coach which was the highest badge that they have until 16 months ago and they brought out a new pro course um, it's pretty expensive it's about 12 grand to get on and that'll be my next step um, the only way you can get on that is if you work in a professional organisation or professional soccer um, so in the meantime I'm now doing my UEFA licences which are the European equivalent and I'm on the UEFA B right now and I'm doing that with the Scottish FA is there a specific reason why you chose to do the UEFA one? Um, because I was at, I basically got as high as I could currently with the US soccer system. And so I wanted to just try something different and, and go on to the UEFA one. So, um, so I only have a... I've only got I've only got five or ten minutes and then I've got to I've got to get off here. Um, so yeah, I'm almost done. Okay. A few more questions. Um, so, in terms of specifics, what exactly is your role within the Red Stars? Um, 
So I'm just an assistant coach. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really think I'm the first assistant, the second assistant, the lead assistant. I'm just an assistant coach. Uh, I work for Rory and Arnhem. Um, and basically my job is to basically assist Rory in whatever he believes the team need through the week um, to be at their best, whether that's physically, psychologically, tactically. Um, and he does give me a lot of trust. So I do a lot um, from video to preparing training sessions to running training sessions. Um, so I'm probably the busier um, every day but he's more of the kind of the you know the 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 big dog that just kind of oversees steps in talks to people when he wants to talk to them give people bits of advice here and there um so yeah that's kind of how it works and then i work with lucich um who's absolutely brilliant uh we have fabricin as well who is uh the husband of morgan bryant um and uh, he's an assistant with us and he is phenomenal, uh, really, really good. Um, and then obviously Rade, the goalkeeping coach. So, so we've got a nice little group. Uh, we all work together really well. Um, so yeah. What do you think of the two new expansion teams in Louisville and in um, LA? Uh, I think it's great for the league, and I think. Um, you know, Louisville seem to have nice facilities, a nice stadium. They seem to have owners who sound like they're willing to put a really good environment together so the players can be the best professionals they can be. Um, and ultimately, that's all I care about, uh, the growth of the league and the players being given the opportunity to be the best they can be. So, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, and then LA, who knows what it's going to look like. I think having a team in LA is always exciting because it's LA. Um, but ultimately, you're an expansion team. You can't just pick who you want because we can protect and everyone can protect who they want. Um, so I've, I've got a feeling the LA one, even though it's exciting, it's, I, I've got no clue how it's going to go down, where they're going to play, who's going to play for them. Um, you know, we all seen what Orlando did to get Alex Morgan. Um, and ultimately, I don't think they've ever made the playoffs with Alex Morgan because she cost them so much. And I think Utah, we gave a lot for Kristen Press, a lot. And again, we didn't quite make the playoffs every year. We just missed out by a game. So, so it's going to be interesting. I'm sure LA teams, they all like to have a superstar. And what they're willing to give up to get them superstars, you know, I don't know. So so yeah, I think, I think Louisville will be good. I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be professional. I think they're just what the league needs. I think that they'll be able to win. Um, the LA one, I, I just don't know. As exciting as it is, I just don't know. Um, my final question for you is, um, when it comes to terms with um, the future of the league, when we're talking about players, do you see um, what are who are you your favorite uh, younger players from all the different teams in the league? Good question. Um, so I think right now um, I I like um, I like Jordan DiBiase for Washington. Um, she's good. She's only been out, you know, a year. She didn't play much in in Utah in her second year. Crafty little midfielder. Um, you know, Ashley Hatch isn't really that young anymore, but I'm a big fan of Ashley Hatch. Um, and you know we've we've got some real good players at, at the Red Stars. Zoe Morse is going to be a very very good defender, a very good centre back. Sarah Lubert's killing it right now. Um, Ella Stevens is one to keep your eye on. Uh, Ella's really silky, um, really good footballer. Plays kind of the Red Stars way, very kind of Morgan Bryan esque. Um, obviously, she's just she just kind of twisted their knee in in Utah, and, and we put her on the field and took her straight back off. Um, so she's been trying to get back. Um, so, yeah, there's lots to be excited by. And then if you look at the four players that were called into this U.S. national team um, that are still in university right now, um, from Carolina, uh, sorry, North Carolina, Stanford, and Florida State, um, 
as college kids being called into the national team camp. Um, I think the future is going to be bright for the league, bright to the US national team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to be a part of it for as long as I can. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day-to-day to talk to me for my assignment. And, um, again, really appreciate it. It's nice to hear some insight on what's happening in the professional soccer world as a fan um, and as someone that hopefully one day will be able to work in this kind of sphere um, in management somewhere. Um, so, so what is it that you want to do? I would like to... Uh, be involved in the front office of a team uh more i would rather be in a woman's league versus a men's league just because you know uh-huh. the great the game is growing um and i yeah. want to be a part of that like what you said so that's what i hope to do in like 10 years or something um well i believe in it you're really good at doing this so um so yeah best of luck to you and if you ever need anything else in the future then just reach out Thank you so much for taking your time. Um, I wish you guys luck for your game on Saturday. Um, Thank you. Hopefully to see a win. And um, enjoy your night. All right. Thank you so much. See ya. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. Again, I'm your host, Yarmo Castro, and you just listen to the first conversation o'clock of season two with Scott Parkinson. If you liked what you heard, hey, I have a YouTube channel. You want to see videos of me uh, where I'm talking to you, waving at the camera and stuff like that, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. It is titled Women's Sports Matter Podcast. Hey, since you're already listening to this podcast, why don't you subscribe and rate me on Apple Podcasts as well. If you want to see more stuff, that I do, go to Twitter. I am quite active on there when I feel like it. I want to give a huge shout out to Scott again for coming on today's episode. It was a pleasure speaking with him. He's a great guy, great coach. I definitely see the U.S. Women's National Team in his future. Like I always end my episodes, wear a mask, wash your hands, and social distance when you can. My name is Giannimo Castro. I'm the host of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and that's all, folks.